0: Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. So, good morning, Cash Flow Contractors. Uh, welcome to another episode in which we help work towards our goals of uh, less stress, more free time, and more money. Uh, and before I start getting a bunch of letters and emails from people complaining, Khalil is not here today. You just have me. So we're going to miss his mellifluous voice, and I'm going to do the best I can. So hopefully that's all right, and you don't have to send in all those letters. Save the money on stamps, right? Uh, Today, we've got a guest, a man I've known for a number of years, Colin Reed. He's of Industrial Solutions in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he is a lean practitioner. And by that, even though he is physically built, I'm talking about lean as in lean operations and uh, how to improve efficiency. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you know that I'm constantly pounding on the great benefits that come from really small changes. One of my favorites is that if you increase your gross profit margin by 1%, the average company in the United States will increase its net profit by 14.5%. Another one is if you increase your sales by 17% without increasing overhead, the average company in the United States will double its net profit. So the the power of those statements is that it's the little changes make a highly disproportionate um, difference to your net profit and to your outcomes. The question then becomes, how do we make those small changes? And that, Colin, how do we do that? (laughs) How would you introduce the subject of lean? Uh, Let me just say this. I think through my experience, a lot of people think of lean as a manufacturing um, discipline, and it is, but it applies to absolutely everything. And when I was talking to Colin yesterday, uh, in the, in these times of inflation and rising prices, and labor costs in particular, uh, doubling in a lot of places, we wonder how we're going to deal with that. And one way to deal with it is to raise your prices. But you can only do so much of that before people quit buying the answer that's always there is to eliminate waste. And Colin was making this statement to me the other day, there's always enough waste. No matter how good you are, there is always waste, always opportunity to get better and better and better. So welcome Colin. And before we really start, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and ISI? Uh, Sure,
1: Um, thanks for having me here. Um, So Industrial Solutions, we're a, a lean thinking consulting firm based out of Tulsa. Uh, we've been around since 97, so we're celebrating our 25th year this year. Um, I joined the firm back in 2005 and took over from the founder in 2012, so I've owned it for a number of years now. Um, we focus on uh, training, so we've got 25 years worth of about 45 different classes and topics and things that are on the shelf that we can pull off and, and work with companies uh, to help improve them. So we've got that that background of being able to go in and help train them. Um, but we also deal with uh, owners to help them and leadership of companies to help them see things in a different light. Um, and then we do kind of background consulting where we paid to be the smart guy, basically kind of go in and, and help them. out. Um, so my background, uh, industrial engineer by schooling, and I was in a um, <clears throat> engineering group at Boeing out in Seattle in the 747, and 67 programs, and we were basically assigned to go out and find problems right and then do our engineering stuff on it evaluate it collect data go back to our desk and uh come up with all the solutions right um make uh make a report um be smart on it and uh get it then sell everybody on our ideas right um because it was me sitting at a desk trying to think of the best way to do it then I got assigned to a lean group as we're working on a 747 and we were going from a 14 day rate to a four day rate on that airplane and
0: 14 day rate, one one airplane every 14
1: days where uh, we could see that in seven months we're going to have to be able to make one every four days. Um, and we, wow.
0: Okay. I had (laughs) no idea.
1: And They don't make the 747 anymore. It's, it's outlived its life cycle, but, um, Yeah. So they, uh, they were just needing to really ramp it up and they had stretched the airplane enough that they would have had to redo all the tooling. We are talking multi-floors and things like that and open up another bay and it was about $60,000 a day worth of inventory holding costs per airplane. Right. And then another $8,000 per engine and there's four engines once they install those. So we're, we're able to help them get through, uh, through lean, um, and not have to open up another bay and have another four airplanes in in process and uh, be able to cycle it out, but still keep, you know, the overtime lower, et cetera. So we're very successful on that. And lean as a concept, you know, I graduated in 92, um, was just really kind of coming out as, you know, terms. it, It was starting to make its way into college, right? So I wasn't exposed to any of those concepts. So I was the old fashioned trained industrial engineer, go out, collect data, be smart. Uh, so, when I got exposed to lean thinking, it was about drawing ideas out of the operators, right? Out of the people who own the process. And I realized this is great. This is like my answer because I don't have to be the smart guy in every process. I can go into any company and I know lean well. We marry those things up with pe- uh, the people who own the process, and then we can start doing great things, right? So, go into any environment. That's why we work with so many different companies. So, industrial solutions, we've. Um, i basically ever since then in the mid nineties I've been doing lean ever since I knew I was going to ride this one for the rest of my career It was just the passion and the ability to go in and just make positive change constantly with uh no matter what the process no matter what the company et cetera so I got into uh into the consulting and it's really cool because we get to go from company to company and see so many different things being made or done right because it doesn't really matter what you do you can you can, you have waste in a process, as I kind of talked about yesterday, and um, so we get to see a variety of things. I get to practice the craft constantly, which is fun.
0: And since you alluded to yesterday, I'll just point out that uh, you did a workshop for a group that uh, I put together yesterday, which was really informative. So, well, so uh, one question: Would you say there's opportunity to eliminate waste everywhere, everywhere. you go?
1: yeah the um, so one one thing I'll, I'll use occasionally for training um, is uh, because I'm a geek on this stuff right I, I do it with everything I do um, right. is grocery shopping so most people kind of just create a list over the course of a week or so and then they so their list is random and it's it's basically what they just ran out of so it's on top of mind so they're gonna write it down um, then they look through the cupboards and stuff and don't sit in the it doesn't necessarily stand out that something's missing, et cetera. And they go to the store with a, with a random list and they are just playing Plinko kind of going around the store, right Mine's a little bit more efficient. <laughs> so uh, our group uh, I would never guess. <laughs> so my grocery list is a, an Excel sheet, and you know like a Starbucks cup right if you If you go into Starbucks and you know, they take your order, that entire menu is on the cup, right. They are um, hearing your order going, uh-huh, 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 and writing it down with just like a three, you know, three shots or whatever. Um, and they're passing that information on to the next person to go make it while they ring you up, right? So they've transferred your your customer intent to somebody else. They're reading it and filling it up with the right thing, usually. the um, So that type of mentality of quick checklist, they're not doing a lot of work and writing things out. They're just putting marks on it. Um, that's what my, my list is. So if you kind of think of what are, what are you normally buying? This, what my list, uh, essentially is. So I have an Excel sheet that I print out uh, and, uh, it's basically a half a page and I'm just circling things that I need, right? So onions, I have Y, R, you know, um, yellow, red, etc. cetera, or G or green. I'm just circling that if I need it. Right. So now that I have a list, it's sorted how I go through the store. Right. So I, I never hit an aisle twice. Right. This is total geek stuff. Right. Um, but it actually grocery shopping yeah. so is to You
0: know, I'm, I'm not sure that many of our listeners are going to actually do that <laughs> because the payoff is personal. <laughs> but the principle when applied exactly. to business that winds up maybe not being $60,000 a day as employing, but maybe 6000 yep. a month. There's a reason to do
1: yeah, but it's just um, so I can get through a grocery store um, because and my list is more accurate too because I've got the things on there. Um, So when I'm I'm kind of going down it and looking through my cap, uh, you know, the pantry or the freezer or the refrigerator, um, it's making me think: Do I have saran wrap? Not just did I run out of it, but do I need it? Right. So I'm 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 kind of going through it, and it's those ticklers are there to make me think about: Do I actually need that item or not? Right. So my list is quality versus. Have you ever bought something out of fear at the store? Do you think I think I'm out of that? <laughs> or not bought it because you didn't realize it, right? So you, there's multiple
0: not not since the toilet paper <laughs> craze of or panic of whatever 2020, <laughs> exactly. which I did not I did
1: buy it. <laughs> Yeah, but now spaghetti shows up, you can buy it because it's finally there. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah. so my list is more accurate. So I don't unless it's on my list, I won't buy it, right? Um, So I don't buy things out of fear. I don't buy four and then go home and I already have 10, shoot, right? I I didn't need to spend that, et cetera. So I can get through a grocery store in 40 minutes with a full week's worth of groceries and not have to go back, right? Um, Versus somebody who is doing the random list, get half his money, uh, spend more time in the store than I did, right? Even with a kid.
0: Drive home and go back and get the coffee that
1: forgot. So, you know, it's just... That little example, yeah. lean thinking can be applied to anything because grocery shopping is a process. I can be either organized about it or disorganized, right? I can either spend more time and more money or spend less time and have higher quality. And that that's why everything's a process. So when it comes to uh, any paperwork that a company is making or any scheduling or any um, uh, transactions or any uh, sending crews out or what have you, we can be smart about it. And, and break it down and eliminate waste, or we can just struggle through by brute force.
0: Well, when people buy into it, matter of fact, anybody who just heard your um, your example about the grocery store probably first thought, oh my God, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> but they also thought, uh, wow, I get it, you know, I get it, I understand uh, efficiency, I know I'm wasting, maybe they can't think specifically, but they'll buy into the fact that we're wasting a lot. You've got some numbers on that, but that we're wasting a lot. But if I decide in my hectic life that, yeah, I want to start doing this, where would they start? I know you've you've trained me and I've read elsewhere too, that there are eight principal sources of waste, uh, places to start looking. Right. Can you describe those a little bit about the the categories of waste and maybe somebody, and I'd like to also emphasize before we go into this, we're going to talk about a lot of things today and I don't want, we'll finish up being more specific, but I don't want everybody to think you got to go do all these things this afternoon because you're not going to, but perhaps there's one thing you can do, right? And we begin on, on with one thing and improve it and then go to the next. But what are the, what are the eight great sources of waste that, that you've talked to me about,
1: um, yeah, uh, and like I talked about the class yesterday, we call them the deadly waste, right? Because they there are things that will kill off a business. There are things that we spend a lot of money on, but we don't even realize it. Um, like the first one is uh, overproduction. Anytime we're doing something earlier or faster than the next process can can handle, right? So if I'm if I'm um, uh, batching things. Um, at one company uh, with some engineering change orders. So some of the changes made on the floor and, and uh, these change orders have to go through drafting and uh, engineering and all the different groups. Uh, we used to um, basically batch. So we'd, uh, it was one of the many functions that I had. So these things were just kind of like a side thing to do because we're all multitasked. And uh, I would, um, so somebody is producing all this paperwork. It's landing on my desk. And I'm getting to it when I can. And then I am um, uh, knocking them all out on a, on a lazy Friday afternoon. Finally, and then I am going to dump them all on the next person, right? Well, you can only work on one at a time, anyway. So all that overproduction of, of um, people piling stuff up on me didn't really help, right? And we didn't have any standards for me to do the work either. Uh, I, I used the example yesterday of the invoices, right? Of um uh, at a company where we had. Uh, an invoicing process, it took 10 steps to do. So it went through 10 different people's hands and it was random of when the work was done and how often. And the um, if the next station wasn't really ready for it yet or not, it didn't matter because it's coming, right? So I'm going to do all these and then just pass them to you, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm working on more than you can actually handle because you can only work on one thing at a time. So all the other things that are building up are just sitting there and dwelling. So we found that there are a lot of invoices throughout this entire process where nothing was actually happening to them because they were just piled up on people. Right. So when we balanced it out, we looked at what actually is value-added work happening in that process, and we were able to get it down to six steps, and then we put some standards in there. So we only had a small queue between stations. So the first step in the process, that person, they processed everything on the even hours, And then they pass it to the next person and that person processed it on the odd hours. Right. And it kind of went through that through the entire process. So now this unit, instead of taking four days to make it through this invoice, now it took six hours to go through the six stations and we never had.
0: That's one of my, we we often think of uh, waste being in terms of production, productivity of crews out in the field, but that's one of the biggest things we deal with is prompt billing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know anybody in this world who doesn't have cash flow problems. And when we start looking, a lot of times it's because they don't do prompt billing. So there's a, the waste manifests itself in having more right, cash.
1: Right. And the, um, uh, and the overproduction, if I'm if I'm making more than you can handle at any one moment, all those things are just idled, sitting there going nowhere. So really, what's the point? Um, if uh, if I'm overrunning your station with work, whether it's physical product passing from table to table or department to department, or um, or paperwork, it doesn't really matter, right? So, and the other thing is, if I um, if I do like uh, one of the things I used yesterday was uh, um, a um, a cab right, at a company where this guy was making cabs and was overrunning the production line. Uh, so if he made a mistake on a unit, he's going to make that mistake on every unit, right, without realizing it. When they finally start digging into those, hey, there's a mistake. Now we've got all those to go back and rework. So the the smaller amounts that we work and pass on, that's better. So overproduction is kind of one of the worst ways because it amplifies all the others. Next one is inventory. Um the waste of inventory. So getting so many companies uh that we go into cuz we, we work with probably 40% service industries that don't manufacture at all. Um a wide variety of retail stores to um contractors and things like that. Uh and the rest is basically manufacturers of different varieties. We find that uh they there's a certain amount of inventory that is really needed to run and then everything else is waste right? I mean, what, it, what functionally actually needs to be there versus what are we having people work on just to stay busy? Yesterday morning, I was, right. at, I was at a company uh, by the airport in, in Oklahoma City and they basically, their factory floor, they were like, yeah, we really need more room. And I'm, I'm looking around thinking, no, you've got the room. You're just not utilizing it. You have all this inventory that's in, uh, sitting there waiting. They had one production line with um, these units that they were building. These were large, about the size of desks, And uh, um, there were nine in a row there, and only three were actually being touched and worked on. The rest were just kind of in the way, right? But people, well, there's always stuff there to work on, so it's good. Well, are they working on the right thing at the right time? And if we just throw inventory at it, well, that's not good because it takes up space. uh, First in, first out, starts to get out of whack. Um, You end up having to expedite uh the orders and things because they get leapfrogged and skipped you have to dig things out you have to find them again right if you've got um uh 70 items that are unread in your uh inbox right for mail you're gonna miss the one that's really important very easily if you've only got five i mean i I keep my inbox to 70 emails or less of the main important ones the rest i file away in a different one
0: you know the other um an example we had him on our podcast, uh, I don't know, one of the earlier episodes, but an electrical contractor. And when I first started working with him, I went to his facility, which is 8 10,000 square feet. The office is in the front, looking through his books and noticed he didn't carry any inventory on the books. And I said, do you have any inventory? He said, no. So we walked out to the shop. <laughs> there were 6,000 square feet of shelving, floor to ceiling, packed with yeah. stuff. And it was all inventory that he had money tied up in. He had space tied up in. He did not know where it was. He did not know what it was. And he didn't know what it was worth. And it was the result of buying too much stuff for jobs and guys come back and offload it. Some things like ground fault circuit interrupters, he could use. Other things were like specialty lighting fixtures that cost a lot of money, but they bought too many. Now they're sitting there. Maybe someday somewhere, somebody will need them. And what in fact happens to them is they can't find them. So if they do need them, they yes. go buy more or they're leaning up against the wall and somebody drives over more of the forklift. Yeah. So it was pretty obvious, uh, pretty obvious the waste in that. Yeah, uh, a
1: lot of times uh, we buy out of fear or we build out of fear and we just increase our inventories. Um, and uh, that, that fear is not wanting to shut down or having it on hand. Uh, and then we find that's now it's obsolete. It's not needed anymore. Um, or you had a million of them. Why did you buy some already? Because the computer line it doesn't tell you where things actually are. Um, so, and all the counts are off anyway. Yeah. So inventory is brutal because it it um, it is money tied up, right? It's cash tied up, and oftentimes, especially in manufacturing, those are jobs because it's a lot easier to just get rid of people, right? I can I can affect that by the end of the month uh, versus fixing the processes so you can run smoothly, predictably with less inventory. So it's, that's, and that's one of the brutal things too, because lean is so um, operator driven, right? The leadership is there to give a vision of where to go. The operators are the ones who help develop the program and the process. And that's what we walk them through. So when we lay people off, when they go out the door, there goes all that that information, right? All, the, all that knowledge. Right. Um, next one is transportation.
0: If you don't have it systemized and
1: captured, right. that, that's exactly. your point. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, transportation is moving things, right? So moving materials, parts, uh, assemblies, um, any type of movement. I got a uh, um, guy who does uh, drainage, right? So he installs draining, does landscaping, things like that. Uh, he's trying to keep his crews from just driving wherever they want to to having them on select routes to make the most of their time, right? Um, if you look at the average plant, if you were to do what we call a spaghetti chart, if you were to just kind of trace it, where things move, it, it's very eye-opening how much uh, items are picked up, put down, moved out of the way, moved into this location, back and forth. Even in the smallest building, things can be moved 38 times. And it's like, we're not adding any value to it. We're moving things around. Another one that, uh, another one is defects right so anytime we make a mistake and defects are the most are a very brutal waste because when there is a defect it'll cost you thirty to one hundred percent more to get that product out than if you'd just done it right the first time or finish that process um, with uh one of the things I talked about yesterday was a um, we got a new alarm system put into our house, right? So it was all integrated with the, <clears throat> with the lights, th- the doors, the garage, uh, you know, the doorbell, all those things were just thermostats, all integrated. Right. Um, so the salesperson was like, okay, cool. This is all the options that you want. That's awesome. Um, they send the guy out to install it a couple of days later and he forgot one of the items that we, we'd uh, wanted that was in our contract. Um, so when that, Guy, uh, very apologetic. Yeah, we get it. Things happen, but somehow and our customer intent was not aligned with the pick list and with his route. Um, and, uh, his orders of what to do. He shows up, doesn't even know that we need that item or we're supposed to get it. Now he's coming back the following week. Right. So that is a complete waste. It's a defect where we, um, uh, weren't serviced right. So we're put off. We're inconvenienced again having a guy come back into the house. But he also has to make a route back out to us, pull everything out of his truck, come back in with a ladder, toolbox, et cetera. So he's not servicing a new client, right, making more money. He's saving an old one, essentially, at that point. Um, and that, that also...
0: Yeah, he's not only spending extra money, he's missing an opportunity of doing exactly. another job. Major, major deal. With exactly.
1: Um, and when you... Uh, and oftentimes we don't Companies are just so so in a hurry. Oh, we'll give it to you for free. We'll give you a discount, etc. We'll never get to the root cause, right? Um, I was at a uh, barbecue restaurant a few weeks ago. I was with two people. There's a table next to us of, of two people. Um, so that party, it was one of the ones where they bring the food out to you. Um, uh, one of their sandwiches was wrong. I'm sorry, sir. We'll bring the right one. So, you know, there's one one meal opportunity lost there. And then they screwed up on one of ours, right? So they had to take the meal away from one of my associates and bring it back, uh, bring back the right one. So I don't know if they got crossed. I don't know if they both made them wrong, but somewhere in, again, that customer intent to to giving that service, now they have served seven meals for five people. So that's just, that is a total loss there. And and there's no like after action review they're going to do after the lunch rush. You're going, okay, what went good, what went wrong? So that, that mistake, they're going to repeat and repeat and repeat because they don't have a good stable process.
0: You know, it's funny that you bring that up because there's a restaurant tour here in Oklahoma that uh, runs a bunch of different names, re- named restaurants. Uh, professional athletes and stars come in, uh, people like Barry Switzer and Toby Keith and Kevin Durant, and they want to start their own restaurant. And it doesn't work until they partner up with this guy. And then they do work. And he's famous for that. And his the reason is processes. Mm -hmm. And just in a story, uh, there's one of his newer concept restaurants is close to my office. And when it opened a couple of years ago, we went there uh, just because it was new. And the service was terrible. I mean, we weren't seated right. They brought us the wrong stuff. It was everything, you know, you're just a little bit late, kind of. Didn't we, shouldn't we see something? Anyway, it was not good. And so uh, we, we thought, wow, you know, not coming back. Right. Well, some friends of ours said, a week later, said, well, let's go try that new place. And I said, well, we did. And it was pretty bad. And I go, well, let's just go try anyway. We went over there and there was a sign on the door and said, restaurant name closed until a week later for staff training. Okay. So they shut her right. down and we went back after that now it's one of our favorites but this guy's hugely successful it's why the restaurants for famous people work when he's running them and don't work when he's right. not but that's what it was all all processes and training and when he spots a problem he shuts that sucker yeah. down he's had several other uh, restaurant concepts in Oklahoma developed and he he might run them for 3 or 4 months but if they're not working shut right. them down and Probably still has to pay the lease, but he's just going, we're not doing Yeah, it.
1: yeah. one of my first so. consulting gigs um, was for a uh, barbecue restaurant. And uh, that's actually where I, I realized I will work for food because it was barbecue. <laughs> but uh, um, the, uh, when I first worked with them, um, I was in there, just kind of evaluated. We got the, the ticket travel in the kitchen. So the, the, you know, the, the order coming in, for uh, travel from 75 feet to 25 feet. Right. We got him on a replenishment system, kind of like um, uh, most barbecue places have, like uh, Sooner or whatever, or Billy Sims, right, where they have the stuff in there. They run out, they just switch out the bins and that's filled up later by somebody else. Right. Um, we got him from uh, um, he told, uh, about a year later when I talked to him again, after we did a number of things of his flow and, and processes, uh, he said, I went from 18 people to eight to run the business. I can see some yeah, right. saying. Because yeah. it's a low margin business. Um, and uh, uh, he said every, that I didn't fire anybody. It was just when somebody uh, left or moved on or uh, retired or whatever, I just didn't replace them. I just did some more of the ideas. right? And I, and I didn't need to. Um, and so he, he was able to streamline that thing incredibly well. It was, it was really kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so defects is where we left off. That Those are brutal because, again, it's, it's reputation as well right? That, that you're destroying. So you get known for being bad. Nothing spreads faster than that, right? It's almost word of that spreads faster than light sometimes. Um, the, uh, next one is, is processing waste. So extra steps that we do where if you were to itemize it and hand that bill to the customer, they'd line item veto a lot of those things. Right. Um, like, um, an example i use in training is, um, when I, if, if I go in and get tires for my car, right, I expect to pay a certain amount for the tire. Um, and if I, um, say it was you know, $600 for four new tires for a vehicle and I go up to the uh, counter and they they say, well, it's 750. Well, how come? Well, we have a stacking and restacking fee that we had to add on because we got too many tires in, uh, and, uh, it ended up, yeah, it's kind of weird. We put them in a the bay that we use most often. So we had to move them to other bays and then we had to move them out of that one. So we had to stack them and restack them. Okay. And we also made a mistake. We put the wrong ones on. So we had to take those off and put the right ones on. Okay. Uh, and we also were training somebody. So we had somebody standing there and watching them. So you're paying double the wages. You wouldn't pay for that. <laughs> um, and But when companies have extra things built into their, their processes, um, they're paying for that. So if you fundamentally look at what is value-added, what does the customer want, right? And how can we get out of the way and make that actually happen and streamline the processes? So a lot of times there's extra steps where if we go, you know what, let's just rearrange the sequence or let's add this column onto that form and now we don't need this other one. There's all these things that we do that are extra steps that are just not needed.
0: You know, that that concept of, value added when we talk about it sometimes sounds like a little bit of uh you know business school verbiage but it's not it's it's what i mean i like your example about i'm not paying because you guys can't stack your tires right right. um one of the examples i see all the time with contractors who move out is it is necessary that the crew get to the job and that's i mean i don't know how to how to uh do it without them having to travel to the job, but to pull off the job five times during the day to go to the parts store to get parts that they forgot to bring. If you had, I mean, I like your, I like the way you say it. If you itemize it on the bill and handed it to the customer, would they be willing to pay for it? Some customers don't want to pay for anything, but most people being fair, they go, yeah, you know, i got a swimming pool, but no, I don't want to pay for the fact that, that uh, you screwed up the plumbing. and had to
1: do it twice. Exactly. Exactly. Um yeah. yeah, so accuracy is, is really crucial, especially um with small businesses like that. That's really fundamental. We're working with a landscaping company that does drainage right now to help them streamline things to get more process out there. Because he's got several crews uh and they're not finishing things in a time that they should, um, because they're disorganized. Their their vehicles or trailers aren't organized, and that's a factor of it. Um, the people, if you send a crew of four out and only three are working and one's waiting on you to finish so I can do my job, but well, we're not sequenced right either for the work.
0: You know, that brings to mind, uh, I think you even had a picture of it the other day, but you drive by a construction site, usually for a city or state or something like that. And there are 12 guys standing around a hole and one guy either with a track hoe digging or maybe in the hole doing something. The rest of the guys are right. watching. And people think they're lazy and, you know, you hear all the disparaging comments. It's just that the sequence of work isn't right. right. Am I correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, Work with a city utility uh, department and um, they're sending crews out. So they get the trouble call into the call center and that person routes the information to one crew. Um, They go out. They've got a a specific time to get out there that's chewed up mainly by the call center um, in the time it takes. So they're not meeting their metrics all the time because they're Unjustly you know, uh, uh, held to the standards that they that just don't work, so they're in a rush. They get out there, they evaluate it, um, and then the next group comes out, and you get people with different uh, crews, different equipment, different uh, talents that are out there, and <clears throat> they're not uh, they're not organized at all as far as the sequence of them showing up. Right? If, if you were to watch a like a pit crew, um, everybody has their job. They're doing things in the right order. The guy isn't trying to pull the tire off before the car is jacked up. Um, the driver's not pulling away before the fuel's in it, except everything's well synchronized. But if you look at crews like that, they're just not. And they're. Uh, it's frustrating for the operators to have to drive uh, you know, a city truck, go through traffic, try and get there on time, and then wait three hours for that guy to finally finish that he should have done yesterday. But he was delayed because of other things, right? And it just has that ripple effect. And then you wonder why that, that uh, three-inch steel plate's out there for four months, because they're just not organized to finish the project. Right. right.
0: Well, you had a great example yesterday, a picture of a highway with the cones blocking off uh one lane off into the off to right. the horizon. And you made the point that why how much can they uh crush or take out, crush, mill and replace in a day or take maybe maybe take something like 3 days. Well, an eighth of a mile. So why don't they just block off the highway for an eighth of a mile instead of blocking off the entire three miles right. of the project for a year exactly. and a
1: half. Yeah. Right. As they go through, do one step, then they come back and they do the entire next step for everything. And yeah, you've got all that, all that highway idled the entire time. Um, and finally it's all complete at once versus just completing sections of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is so it, just different way of looking at it. So those uh, those processes are just they're brutal. Um, the next one is motion waste that we we tend to hit on, and that's people walking around, right? Um, my brother, uh, when he got out of the navy, worked for ADT, and so he's installing security systems. And <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm eight or nine, but I'm listening to him talk about how this uh, this coworker drives him nuts because he kind of gathers what he needs, he goes up. And my brother would gather what he needed and go up the ladder. This other guy would grab a few things, go up the ladder, and he was going up and down the ladder twelve times to do the same work. Right? All that extra motion is brutal. And if you think about um, like your shop rate, right? What are you what are you charging um, to make money? So, great example used for motion waste is I was at a um, at a machine shop where a guy running a Bullard uh, a machine uh, he um, the if he's running his machine, he's making the company $200 an hour, right? That's what they use as their, their, their basis for everything. And so when he's um, chasing down drawings, um, moving material, uh, trying to find the forklift, all those things, when he's running around, um, going up to get his program or whatever, up to the office, uh, he's not making that money, right? Because the machine can't run without him being in the area. So i had him walk down the aisle 100 paces and i timed how long it took him to walk down the aisle 100 paces and it was 3.4 cents a step when i ran it by the shop rate, right <laughs> so 3.4 cents a step for him to walk around and chase things down so i was trying to convince the owners deliver his pa- his paperwork deliver his parts right deliver his drawings um, and uh, and program, so he's not chasing things down because when he's running around, he's not producing. Right? His legs don't add value, his hands do, unless he's got foot power. Right. All right. So,
0: and we'll talk about this a little bit uh, more toward the end, but that's one of those things that somebody who is, hasn't memorized all the eight wastes and you know is kind of wondering how do I start. That's one of those things that that machine needs to be running. It's not running right now. Why not? Right. I mean, that's how somebody listening can actually go start. Why not? Because Gary's not there. Why isn't Gary there? Because he's getting paperwork. Okay. So we can do something about that. Next time Gary's not there because uh, the material, he has to go load and stack material, you know, in the process. You know, well, we can do something about that. But that's where... Lean isn't theory, but the theory of lean comes down to something people can actually do, Right. actually do. One of my favorite with, with the companies I work with that have service trucks and, and run, run routes. Uh, one of our goals, something that we can get our heads around is one more job per truck per week. And let me tell you, it depends on your business, but if you, if you pull that off, it's staggering the effect it'll have on your profitability. So you got the same overhead, but you get one more job per truck per week, per crew per week, if you want to say it. And then that's the same thing. You're going to say, why couldn't they do one more on Friday Mm -hmm. afternoon? And you start looking back. And a lot of times it's because they didn't have the right parts on the truck. I mean, one of the bugaboos on almost everybody is trips to the uh, supply store because it's not only transit time, it's a cup of coffee. They got to find the stuff they got to wait in line to sign the ticket. Maybe there's uh, you know, they like the person who's running the place. So they got to talk about the football game a little bit and then they got to drive yeah. back. And you do that three times and there's your other job. Yeah. Right. So that, that brings it down to the realm of what can I really do? How can we eliminate trips to the supply store? We'll have the right parts available in the morning. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I got to know what the guys are going to do tomorrow morning. I got to know that the day before I can have supply house deliver it to us. So, but anyway, it's how you find the things that you can actually do.
1: With, I have a uh, friend, we're doing stuff at his company. Um, He had a mowing business that he did in the evenings. Um, After a few of the events, uh, he he told me uh, about three months after working at that company with him uh, intermittently, he said, I applied this to my mowing business. Uh, he said, I started looking at it with, I had a goal of, I want to be, I want to have grass clippings flying within one minute of arriving, right? So with that concept, <laughs> he go. thought about um, uh, how can I um, uh, get, uh, how can I have my vehicles or my all my mowers loaded properly? So he, he had a route that he would do certain days, and so he had he knew exactly how to load the mowers back on the, the trailer for the next stop, right? So he wasn't pulling one off to get out of the way, et cetera, right? Uh, he was he was maximizing okay. that. Okay. He then- um, ran his airlines from his uh, compressor all the way down so that he could uh, uh, get tires at any location and not have to fumble with, you know, hose and all this other stuff. Um, just yeah. all these little things that he did uh, to not waste time while on site. And he said, I was making three or four more stops in the evening. Right. Uh, Sometimes, you know, a lot of times they'll they'll bundle and they'll be, you know, one stop. They'll be able to knock out three lawns, et cetera. So he was doing another um, um, fifteen or twenty lawns a week with no problem. Right. Right.
0: And with the same overhead, that's where you double, triple, quadruple probability just with certainty. So that's that's the uh, the eight deadly wastes of overproduction. Inventory, excess inventory, mismanagement of inventory, transportation, where you're uh, moving things around that don't that doesn't add value, doesn't help you complete the job or the or the product that you're making defects, um, which have to be scrapped or reworked. Uh, you have processing waste. You're doing operations on, on things that don't necessarily need to be done. I have some cabinet shops and one of the examples of uh, operations is most of them don't do it, but sometimes you finish the bottom of mm-hmm. a drawer and which takes time and effort to do that. Meaning the underside of the bottom of a drawer. Well, it's not value added to the customer, you know? So why are you doing that? Uh, so processing waste, motion weight of waste that's uh, moving the tires around in the shop, moving the mowers off the trailer to get to the right tool. And then, uh, I think, well, we didn't talk yet about waiting. I guess that's the eighth. Is Yeah, waiting is and waiting. unutilized
1: people. Yeah, so waiting is whenever um, somebody is ready, willing, and able to work but can't, right? Um, they There's nothing stopping them other than the process. So they don't have the right information. They don't have the right tools. They don't have the right uh, equipment. They don't have the authority or whatever. Whatever is stopping them from working. I, well, I got to wait on... Uh, uh, that person re- re- to reply to my text so I know what to do next. Um, or I'm waiting on material to come to me to my machine before I can work on it. Right. We're, we're, it's lost opportunity time because we're not producing whatever it is. We're not working. Um, right. And a little back to your um, uh, thing of, of a machine, if it's not running, we're not producing. It needs to be making the right thing in the right amount right? It is okay for equipment and things not to produce for short periods of time because we don't want to overrun the next step as long as we're meeting. We're yeah, I want to right. but that's that. when we get into the flow.
0: No, I think that I'm glad you brought that up. I've had a number of discussions over the years with people who think that the most expensive machine needs to run hundred percent right. of the time. And because it's the most expensive, it's absolutely right. not true. In that discussion about the machine operating, it needs to be the bottleneck right. machine. Yeah. I mean, that that the bottleneck needs to be running appropriately, but that's why it's the bottleneck, Correct. because it has demand to satisfy. And even slower down
1: the and older machines can still be good. I uh, was working with a company um, that uh, they wanted to buy this new $270,000 machine that could knock everything out quickly. And I looked at uh, the.
0: So I could sit in the warehouse.
1: <laughs> so I looked at what they had. And it was like, well, OK, yeah. you have three over here. And you have one around the corner you're not even using. So what's wrong with those? Well, we, we, we just need this new one because it can do it a lot faster. And I'm looking at their, their process and thinking, okay, well, how many are you actually making? Well, if you rearrange that equipment, you could have what you need flow through it uh, and not spend that $275,000 on a new piece of equipment. If you properly line it up, because you're meeting demand already, you just can't see it. Right? Um, right. right. Because of the, the the way their flow was, et cetera. So um, you don't always need the highest speed stuff, um, the high speed equipment, et cetera. It's looking at what actually needs to be done and what rate does it need to be done. Right? So we're, we're meeting customer demand with no problem um, with our current equipment. And often it, it's rare that we really have ever, when doing lean, it's usually just kind of using our brains and not our wallet, right? It's thinking about the process and um, how can we use our current resources better? So. Too often companies try and buy their way out of it with more people or more equipment or more floor space when, again, they've, they've got the capacity. So that idle time, that waiting time is, is just another one of those ways. And so then the last one to hit is this, that unutilized people. Um, I've got a uh, <clears throat> a company that I'm working with where we're trying. they're trying to do everything on site as quickly as possible before... Um, the, the corporate leader comes in from overseas because he just comes in, raises hell for a little while and then goes away, right? So he comes in as a dictator telling everybody what to do and he thinks he's solving all the problems and he's just causing chaos and then he goes away, right? Um, and then he just repeats that process basically every month. Uh, <clears throat> never tapping into the people who know the process well. So good leadership, and we have courses that we do on this and we teach one tomorrow at Tulsa Tech, um, is about training leadership to understand You need to provide that vision and then let your people help develop the processes because they're the ones that are uh, um, intimate with it, right? As we talked yesterday, who knows how to do something best? The person doing the process. It's not the leadership. It's not um, uh, engineering or whatever. It's the people that are touching it uh, day to day. So they're the ones that should help us develop the better new process. And then there's that ownership with it too, right? Um, I've seen people reject good ideas because it was done to them instead of done by them, right? So you want that ownership of people right. that really just go, yeah, this is a this is cool and now I'm proud of it because it's my idea is, hey, check this out, right? Check out what I did over here with the group. You know, that was my idea. There's a lot of pride that can come from that. And we want people um, to be involved like that because we don't want drones doing work, waiting to be told what to do next. You want workers that are thinking, right? Thinking about the process and always thinking, hey, is there a better way? Is there a better way of doing it? If they've got that knowledge of what, the, what waste looks like and if they've got the empowerment of management saying, you know what, go ahead and do it. Try it. Give it a shot. Right? Again, we're not always buying our way out of the product.
0: You know, I have to, uh, have to tell you a story. Engineer, I know there was a company, I, we'll call it toothpaste. I, I don't know what it was, but there was a company that was filling low dollar, high volume boxes with a product. Right. And they're going down a belt. And the problem was one out of a thousand was an empty box. Good. Right. So they they I don't know if it's one out of a thousand, three out of a thousand. But anyway, they, they had this problem that they were shipping some boxes that hadn't been filled. And so maybe this is lore. He told it to me as if it were a fact. But the company came in, they designed a bunch of uh, scales and continuous scales that could weigh these boxes when they're going across, you know, and then an arm to kick it right. off and stuff. And they went out to implement it. And the guy on the line said, I got that problem solved. And he'd set up a fan, one of those shop fans that's four feet right. off the ground. And it was blowing across the line, the line, empty box came it right. just blew it off. So they'd spent thousands and thousands to figure out an engineered solution. This guy just plugged in a fan, moved it over there and blew them off exactly. the ground.
1: So,
0: yeah. It's fun you, you don't, you don't always find those kind of things. And, and it's a collaboration, don't you think? Because. Uh, always to involve the people, but in my history of working with guys, I say, how can we do this better? And they might just say, well, I don't know. I've, I've been doing this all the time. So they kind of need to be educated in these same eight great ways, the eight different yeah. ways that they can kind of, is that your experience or do you find that you're just overwhelmed with the yeah, ideas? Yeah. You know,
1: um, when going into a company, if we're going to, uh, sometimes we're just plugged in because they need help in an area and then go away. They don't want to look for the big hole transition, or they're already doing it on their own. We A lot of corporate companies that they've got uh, continuous improvement on site, but they're not good at this particular topic, so they bring us in, right? But most companies we bring from womb to tomb on the entire process, so through the entire experience. So we help uh, the management develop that plan, but we need not just the management to be able to see these ways, we got to train the operators. So we have different classes that we do for manufacturing or office or warehousing or food industries. So um, the people who touch the process, uh, we get them trained. Because if, like when I I used to work for StairMaster, um, it was kind of funny. I used ISI uh, back then Um, with the one-on-one training. I basically uh, wanted them because the more that the operators could see waste in the process, the more they can help eliminate it. And so you get people who do have been doing the same tasks for 15, 20 years of running a machine or, you know, assembly or what have you. They haven't really looked at it in a different angle in a very long time. You get some people who are just intuitive, like it was for me growing up. Um, process improvement was just kind of how I thought, and how I was wired, but not, not everybody. So what you really want is where your average person can understand the concepts and they start generating ideas. And it's, it's amazing the turnaround. Um, people that are, uh, kind of just going in, punching the clock and, and, and working and kind of staring at it all day, waiting for three 30 to get out of there that become really engaged with their work. Um, at one of our companies locally, uh, <clears throat> there were two guys, one, uh, they're, they're both welders and one was in uh, kind of the lead over fabrication and essentially for him being a lead he kind of tapped topped out as far as mentally in his career he thought well this is it i've made it when he got exposed to lean it really clicked with him right and they put him through a couple of different classes that we provide and now he's running the continuous improvement program at that company same with the other guy right they're both running it at this uh that be person company it's really cool what can actually happen right when you awaken people's minds and even the you know so some people are really clicks with and others where it doesn't as much at least they're understanding it so they can participate in it
0: right they're moving farther and further further and further away from being a, a machine themselves to being a thinking human who has a project can see results can accomplish exactly. things
1: which which i think most people want and it to it frees- you. you know we're kind of coming to the i was going to oh, go ahead and it frees up management. It, it frees up management and ownership to focus on the things that are important instead of micromanaging processes, right? Because these processes just start to run right. on their own and then you're just monitoring them from afar, not trying to get in there and uh, by brute force getting work orders through or or telling people to do it. And we've set up systems right. where they see exactly what to do and when to do it.
0: Uh, I think we, we're, we're kind of getting close to uh, oh. an hour here, but... One other thing I wanted to ask you about or talk about, and then we'll kind of wrap it up, but um, somebody, Peter Drucker, somebody said, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And one of the things that I always press for with my clients, whether they're contractors, manufacturers, home builders, whatever it is, but some kind of KPI. And uh, if, as with one of my uh, manufacturers, the spray booth, probably a lot of people, if they, if they are manufacturers, paint and finish is oftentimes a bo- a serious mm-hmm. bottleneck, you know? So we have to know, or I'm, I guess I'll phrase this as a question, but I'm going to state it as my belief is you have to know where you're starting. We're doing, we're spraying X square feet. We're doing uh, X dollars per man hour of labor. Um, some uh, build time for, for builders. Uh, we we want to build a house in 180 days and it's taken 250, mm-hmm. but we have to have a starting point. so that we can begin to see that we've made a gain, And that oftentimes, so that's one thing I always uh, press people for is we have to have a starting place so that we can measure our improvement and everybody can, a non-bureaucratic, easy to see, easy to understand how many linear feet we're putting out. I have a granite shop. How many square feet are we putting out per week? That gives us something to measure. And then we can start doing the things like, let's look for the waste, make a change. And how did that affect us? And that the, the ability to measure the improvement is a reward. I mean, everybody can celebrate, right. look what we did. And then ultimately it shows up in the, in the right. profit and loss. Yeah. So kind of last thing, why, why do, I don't know that we're going to, that we've said anything today that people at least haven't heard of theoretically there's waste in my business. And it can be inventory, it can be making. I've got scrap out in the yard, I got defects, I got to fix, I got people driving all over, all of these things. How does somebody start like a listener today saying, Yeah, you know, I need to pay attention and get
1: started? Um, I would go out and uh, look at the workplace, right? Can you, um, uh, if you were to go up to a work center, Could you pull everything out in the aisle and somebody put everything back exactly where it belongs in 30 minutes or less right um that's a good gut check i don't know where this goes yeah okay there's an issue right so um just with with workplace organization the term 5s um getting rid of what isn't needed having a designated spot for it uh etc having a person be able to walk up and just start working versus getting stuff out of the way searching for things etc can somebody do that can you find something without having to uh, wait on somebody, right? Um, whether it's paperwork in a, uh, uh, on the server, right? Is your server organized? Can anybody find anything <laughs> uh, without having to ask where it is, where it goes, etc.? Um, Thank God for exactly, sure, Exactly, right? But you don't. Um, do you have standards, right? Are you using standard naming on your files? Um, when I first brought somebody uh, onto ISI after I took over, uh, uploading a new computer, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what's the latest version of all of our training because we're constantly improving it. Um, so I came up with a naming convention because things had just kind of grown up organically over time. I was like, darn it, we're lean people. We shouldn't do this. Um, so we came up with folder standards, what goes in each folder so the, the office assistant knows what to print for the class, right, instead of just guessing. Um, so, you know, do you have standards out there? Um, do you have standard work developed? Do your people know what to do? Your roles, and responsibilities, um, that signage, et cetera. Are your vehicles laid out the, the exact same way? Right. And if not, why not? There's, there's a lot of things where you, um, if you just, just even applying 5S, the, the, the typical company could be 20 to 30% more efficient. Um, with the exercise we did, right. they would show that.
0: I, you, you set it in, laid out the trucks. Uh, the same client who had that 8,000 square feet of unaccounted for inventory, electrical contractor. We started uh, trying to organize the trucks in a consistent way. But the first thing he did, they had a Friday morning stand-up meeting. And he pulled out a $100 bill, told everybody to go to their truck and bring back two things. Might be a, a fitting, and might be a tool. First one back got a 100 bucks. And the point was, if your truck's organized well enough to win that hundred bucks, you know, be competitive right. every week, then it would be organized much better. And he would ask questions of things that are typically under the boxes on the bottom of the truck because you don't, you know, some kind of a pipe bender or something that you don't use all the time. People had to know where they were. He has subsequently organized his trucks, and then he's gone even beyond that. He's he's got uh, Dewalt clear boxes, so. You can do a visual inspection. He doesn't have to pull everything out and look. They can just right. look and fill those boxes up. So so I, I, it's things like that that somebody listening can do. You mentioned a lot of area, areas, but to take one thing, maybe it's the file server. Maybe it's that idea that if you pulled everything out of the aisle, could everybody put it back where it belonged in 30 minutes or less? for some tests like that and then attack yeah. it and fix it and improve it. And I think one of the points you make frequently and I see often is if you implement a process in the system and everybody's enthusiastic today, you're going to have to follow up. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because if it doesn't appear important as you go forward, it'll, it'll, 10 back.
1: You'll go right back. It'll regret. And that accountability is free, right? right? Of having, and the beauty thing is, you have the operators develop that process, the layout, the, uh, the sequence of work, all that. And then you just hold them accountable to that standard, right? And accountability right. is free, right? My son's room is a mess because he's 16, right? And whose fault is that? It's my fault because I told him to clean it up. But if I'm just sitting there watching Forged and Fire on the couch and I yell up, hey, did you clean up your room? Yeah, Dad. Okay. And I keep watching, and I don't go up and check. But that's my fault, right? So, and that's nice to.
0: And that that really Standards. is to the that that to the to the listeners. That really is your response. That's where leadership comes in. Your discipline. If if you're a slob, and you really don't care about this stuff, but you do it because you think you should, it exactly. isn't going to happen. You have to change your thinking, and you have. And that's why I say start with one thing because that's something you can control well that you can influence and you can follow up on, and people will begin to believe until it becomes automatic and then move on right. to the next thing. Yep. Well, well, we're coming up on the hour. I hope uh, people who have uh, been listening are at least inspired to give lean and efficiency a thought. Uh, it's if, if, if you're sitting at a desk, uh, listening to this or driving, I, I am 100% certain that within eyeshot of you is an opportunity to improve. might be in the back of your truck. It might be the way your desk looks. And I'm not going to show people what my desk looks like. It's real messy, which is a sign that I'm real smart, right?
1: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Sure it is. No, but within shot of wherever you are is an opportunity. And so we'll go back to what we started out with, that opportunity to go out there and get 1% better is 14.5% improvement in profits. And the people who are working with you on this, your crew leaders and your your employees who are working with you on this, that 14.5% improvement, you do it again and it's 29%. 2% is 29%. Well, that's where bonuses, incentive pay, participation, that's where it comes from. That's how you whip inflation. That's how you whip price increases becoming increasingly efficient. So uh, Colin, will uh, how can they get a hold of you if, if they wanted to? And we'll put this sure. in the show notes along with uh, the eight deadly uh, ways uh, in the show notes.
1: Um, yeah. So our uh, our site is isiworld.net is our uh, website. Um, the uh, I give up.
0: absolutely okay. phone number if you want uh, to email yeah. so uh, phone
1: number yeah. is 918-906-5226 um available basically anytime we uh, do a lot of free we, we don't charge for coming out and meeting with you talking about how it could be a value or anything or what your plan should be or what what lean would look like at your facility or or, or company so
0: okay well, that, that'll be in the show notes, and uh, we'll see you next time, Cash Flow Contractors. Thank Thanks for listening to The Cash Flow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.